ATV Talk, the podcast. Sit down with your host industry professional, Leonard Duncan, as the men and women from the ATV world bring their behind-the-scenes stories to life. Every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And remember, dream big. It could be your story one day. GBC Power Sports Tires, a division of Green Ball Corp, has been producing industry-leading tires for ATV side-by-side market for over 25 years with tires like Mongrel, Dirt Devil, TerraMaster, XC Master, Dirt Commander, and Groundbuster. They have a tire for your application. Top racers from GNCC, Works, and Best in the Desert rely on GBC Power Sports tires. So why shouldn't you? Go check them out at gbctires.com to see the full line of tires they offer. Thank you very much. TPR Stabilizer, a leader in steering dampener technology, brings you the new Q5 Sport ATV damper with better control and handling with an upgraded vane and seal system. Go check it out today, www.gprstabilizers.com or call 619-661-0101. Don't forget to tell them ATV Talk Sandy. Kane Schmid, welcome to ATV Talk. Thank you for so much for taking some time with us to uh, talk about ATVs and the industry and so many other things. Yeah, Lenny, thanks for having me. Um, been listening to your show and uh, it's good to be on. Definitely uh, have a lot to talk about. I've been riding ATVs all my life, so it's uh, good to share it with, with you and your listeners. That's awesome. Uh, not everybody knows and not everybody that listens knows that you came down and did the live with us in um, August at Duncan Racing. And um, I, I don't know if I got to express my appreciation for that. Uh, it was great having you down there and and getting some legit, legitimacy from Dirt Wheels magazine. Uh, and, and a man such as your stature coming and joining us was pretty awesome. Yeah, that was a that was a good time. It was really cool to see some of the uh, the old bikes that were there. Sundahl's bike and Dean himself. I hadn't seen him since I did a photo shoot with him about twenty years ago in Ensenada. Uh, Mike Co. I'd never uh, never met the man before, and I had a couple old copies of Dirt Wheels I brought with me, and he instantly grabbed one that I think he was on the cover yep. and was uh, checking it out. So that was pretty cool. He sat there and read it um for most of the afternoon i think he read it cover to cover yeah he might have yeah yeah it was pretty cool it was good good little event um definitely hope you do that maybe as an annual deal or 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 bring it somewhere else sometime it was really really fun we are working on another one um we haven't we haven't inked a a place or a date yet um but we are we're going to try to change the format a little bit um, to keep it more uh, guest involved in the conversations. And we're definitely going to fix our audio because we did lose um, a bunch of the audio. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's the first time, you know, we'd never done anything the night before we had a huge power outage. Um, so we didn't get to test any of our audio. We didn't get to test our links, um, which 
you know, there's nobody, you can't, you can't blame anybody for that. It just happened. You know? Yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, as uh, an ATV builder, you know, you, you have to test things before, you, you know, before you race them and, or else things can happen. And, and uh, if you don't have time, it's just the way it goes. So, but uh, live and learn. You know, I've taken very few machines to the starting line without some type of shakedown. Yeah, I bet. Yeah, it just doesn't just doesn't happen. But hey, let's talk a little bit about a Kane Schmied and uh, where you come from and how did you get into ATVs? I know we touched on it on the live, but uh, let let the listeners know uh, where you come from. Yeah, so I grew up in the high desert of California, and um, my mom got a three-wheeler for her 30th birthday, and I was about 10 at the time, so basically she probably rode it once, and and I rode it the rest of the time. It was in 79 ATC 110, <laughs> um, you know, rode the wheels off that. My dad got a 200X when... Um, in 1984, I kind of took that thing over, rode that until uh, I think it was third or fourth gear went out. You probably remember which gear was weak on that. I think it was that machine. Um, but still rode it. The cool thing about a Honda is you could uh, you could just skip the gear and keep on going. It it just those things kept going. Um, and then around high school time, a friend of mine started racing, so. I would race his quad like in a different class. Um, we had these local races that John Hemi put on up in Lancaster. Wow. And, that's uh, so we'd race those at the fairgrounds every year. And then uh, finally, when I graduated high school, got my own quad and started racing just, just the local stuff um, in Ventura and Palmdale and like the Golden State Series, um, LACR. That was uh, LTR 250. Um, so I was a Suzuki guy more than a Honda guy um, when I first started. I'm sorry. I mean, <laughs> that's great. <laughs> no, all pun yeah. intended. Uh, that's awesome. So you raced locally for all those years. How did you get tied in with the magazine guys? So I was buddies with Adam Campbell. We both raced together um, just, uh, you know, on, on the local level. And then he was doing some test writing for the magazine. And the exact same day, Jimmy White called me. Oh, well, I'll go back a second. So after quad racing, I started racing super lights, which is the Honda pilot um, little car in the Mickey Thompson series. Right. So on the same day, Jimmy White called me and said that Mickey Thompson was going out of business. Dennis Cox had called from Dirt Wheels and said, hey, do you want to start test riding? Because Adam Campbell couldn't show up for one of the shoots. So I kind of moved in there as a test rider in this was 95. Um, and then was just a photo rider for five, about five years for the magazine. And, you know, just just testing quads and riding them and giving feedback and, you know, getting all the new gear and, and, you know, just trying to look good for the photos and that type of thing. Um, so then in 2000, the magazine was really growing at the time. And then they offered me a full-time job at that time and the rest is history. So that was 21 years ago. Wow. And you've been almost 22 and you've been in the 
the magazine industry uh, or the publication business since then? Yep. Yeah. Full time since uh, 2000. It was June. I started, I started, I think, uh, I don't know, late summer, something like that um, of 2000 and uh, been doing it ever since. So I've test ridden and photographed like I, I think it's over a thousand quads since then. You know, a few quads an issue for 22 years, it, it adds up. Oh, I bet it does. Yeah. Uh, and that's four wheel drives, sport quads. Exactly. Yeah. Utilities. I mean, back in 1995, when, uh, you know, the industry was pretty, pretty slow, I guess, back then, you know, no, no new sport quads. Um, you know, we were testing two wheel drive utility quad shootouts and things like that. It was, it, it was fun, but it wasn't as exciting as it was when we started getting the thousand CC four by fours and, uh, you know, the four fifty R's back in, in business. Oh yeah. I bet you that's, that's pretty awesome stuff. You got to see, you got to see the four stroke industry evolve for the second time from a totally dis- different perspective than, than we did. Yeah. I mean, you know, when, uh, the four strokes came back, they were water cooled because they were air cooled. Um, you know, the 300 EX was air cooled, uh, you know, the big four by fours, those were all air cooled. Um, mostly all, I think Suzuki might've had a liquid cooled one in there, but, um, but yeah, I was there when Yamaha finally came out with their 450 and, and Honda and, and even Cannondale when Cannondale brought their, their, uh, rattle trap out. <laughs> so did you guys ever do a shoot with Honda, Yamaha, Kawasaki, Suzuki, KTM, Cannondale, Can-Am, Polaris, get them all? We did. Yeah. In, um, I think it was 2007, we had a cover shot with seven 450s on the cover. And, um, we just, we kind of lined them up, did a big wheelie shot of them all together. And, um, but we had them all together for, we had, we had them all for about a week and rode on the tracks and the trails and, um, in the desert. And it was, what was crazy is, you know, we're kind of seeing the same thing now as we did back then. We have so many UTVs back, and then we had so many quads back then, and then the economy crashed. So it's, it was kind of eerily similar to how it was in 2007, 2008, um, today's time. So that's something to think about. Yeah. It's a little weird. The, the economy we're so busy, but yet the economy's is bouncing all over the map. Um, yeah. Get into it too much, but yeah, we're, yeah. we can't even see straight. We're so busy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Some yeah, people so, so, so yeah, ask me how seven. I can, pardon, go ahead. So yeah, there was seven four fifties at one time that we, uh, we compared. That, that had to be pretty, pretty incredible. Uh, you know, cause I see the, the, dirt rider magazine or the motorcycle magazine um with all the different manufacturers out there and it's just so impressive yeah right yeah sure on the on the bike end it's still going going really good when you look back uh i know you raced quite a bit um what level did you get to i i would say i was a local pro 
Um, so we, we only had a few tracks uh, locally. I never went to the nationals or anything like that race desert pro, but uh, you know, so did you. So, <laughs> you know, we, we were just on a team, you know, and uh, you know, help, help get the quad to the next rider type thing, you know, rode, rode with some, some big guys and won some one Baja a couple times. And, um, but I, I would say I was a local pro or, or intermediate type, uh, rider. Yeah. We raced against each other in the 30 plus class a couple of times. Yeah. Yeah. And works. Yeah. Yep. I think, yep. Yeah. I still remember. I'm still mad at Elka. Yeah. Because they what, gave me some shocks and they gave and you the link. You were, they gave happened? you the long, the new long travel link and not me. Uh, you and Doug had them at the race and, uh, I had crashed the weekend before. Um, solely due to that rear shock that like to throw you over the front of the bars. And, um, gosh, I was pissed. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. That was, it was fun. And, and I raced mostly stock equipment. I mean, some, sometimes I would have a quad that had some shocks on it or had a, a roll arms every once in a while, but most of the time I would race a bone stock quad, you know, for testing. Right. And, uh, you know, your buddy Doug Eichner would call me a sandbagger because I was, I would never race the pro class, but I didn't even own a race quad. So it was like, I'm not going to go in the pro class with a bone stock quad. Right. Right. Be competitive. Well, yeah. And, and you were most of the time still doing a bunch of testing or product evaluation while you were racing them. Yes, definitely. And I would have to jump, jump off my quad and grab my camera and go take pictures of the pro quad class, either in the nationals or uh, it works. Oh, and I did that a lot at GNCC too. I would get uh, people to let me test their ATVs back there, but as a stipulation, I would uh, say I wanted to race it too. So they would usually let me race it in a GNCC or a GNC motocross back there. So you've got a really big spectrum of, you know, you've got to see us in the recreational form, the woods, the motocross and the off-road. So, and desert. So you've got quite a bit of discipline. Did you ever get to TT? I did. I think I did one TT probably on a Daryl Rath quad. Um, somewhere in the Midwest, but it, that was interesting. It was definitely, uh, the weird thing about it is that how much arm and like upper leg strength you needed to, to stay on the quad because they grip so good around the corners. And, uh, but it was fun. It was definitely, definitely a cool, um, discipline, but I think I only did one TT race other than I think we had a little TT deal at Glen Helen for a while that I did that a couple of times. Yeah, you mean a makeshift sand yeah. track? <laughs> <laughs> right. Lower your bike, but it's a sand track. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think we raced it a few times up there, too. That's a pretty awesome perspective. Out of all of the machines you've tested, what's your favorite one? Well, I like I like the, the original YFZ450 was... It was just so much better than anything else out there. Um, and then I really liked the TRX after that. But the most fun quad ever to ride was the Raptor 250. 
because <laughs> it was so light and so it handled so well. It was just a blast to ride. And you could, you could override the quad, you know, it, it wasn't, it didn't have more horsepower than you could handle. So um, that made it a lot more fun too. The Raptor 250, the, and that was just sheer enjoyment playing around, right? Yeah, yeah, because, you know, if you can pin a quad wide open and get it to do whatever you want and it's, you know, it's never going too fast for you, it's fun. It, it makes it a lot of fun. I think I tested one of yours, one that you guys built, um, I think at Milestone. Yep. At one night, uh, that, that was a blast on uh, on that track out there. Uh, wasn't Adam out there on one at the same time and you guys were just lap after lap. I mean, you wrote it for more than a test. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. He, he really liked that quad too. We had a blast uh, riding that thing bone stock or fully tricked out. Um, yeah. It was pretty cool. And I even uh, back when I first started racing quads, I raced a Yamaha blaster a little bit. And so that was a similar size quad and, um, I did really good on a blaster way back when. I think you must have been a little smaller then, because now you're what? Yeah, one six two. Yeah, I'm six one, pushing one eighty something. And uh, back then, I was, uh, yeah, a lot lighter. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm not saying you're an overly big guy now. I'm just, yeah, you, you have changed a little bit over the over the times. That's, yeah, exactly. That's, that's pretty awesome stuff. When you started uh, riding all these different machines and all these different environments, which environment do you prefer? You know, I like, I, it's weird. People ask me that a lot. They ask me like where I like to ride. I have a, a test loop up in Mojave that um, that's not a desert loop. It's more of a woods loop. And I really like that area, but I like to ride different things. I, I would say sand is my least favorite. Um, I just like to have direction. I like to have a trail. Usually a one-way trail is nice, (laughs) but, um, I really like the woods. Um, but I couldn't go very fast in the woods just because it, it was so narrow and so different than the desert. But I really, I don't know. I don't, I can't say I have one favorite. I I like them all. That's, that's awesome that you're a true enthusiast, Mm -hmm. you know? I mean, I'm, I'm prone to the desert. I don't know what it is, but I just prefer that probably because I don't like to jump. Yeah. Yeah. I used to be a jumper and I'm not anymore. I, I totally hear you. I, I don't think I ever was. I mean, I used to do a little bit of it. You know, when you race with ride with Doug Eichner, you jump things that you normally wouldn't because he says, follow me. Yeah. Okay. You know, and you realize that was a big mistake. Sure. <laughs> but that being said, when you were coming up, or well, let me go a totally different direction. Have you gotten to ride or done any of the testing on the new three wheelers? Yes. Yeah. We, uh, I think it was our November issue dirt wheels. We just tested a four stroke Honda 450 three wheeler. And to be honest with you, it was cool, but it wasn't that fun to ride. It was a little, I don't know. I, I think I missed that. It wasn't a two stroke, like just sitting, sitting on it was great because everything was new and 
Um, the controls were new and all that. It sounded good. It started easy, but it just, it seemed like it had too much torque. So, you know, the, the front end would just want to come up. It wasn't like really light, like you would, uh, think of a three-wheeler where it would be spinning the rear tires and you could slide around easy on it. Um, cause it had like real good MX tires, which it probably should have had some more balloon type tires for the sand where we were riding it in. Um, so I don't know. It, it was cool that I'm, I'm really glad people are riding them. I'm really glad that people are building them, but it definitely wasn't for me. And just to be honest. That, that version that you rode. Yeah. I mean, probably three wheeler in general. Okay. You've ridden motorcycles. I've seen you go on some uh, trail rides because I follow you on Facebook. You also do UTV trail rides and things like that. I'm sure a portion of it's for work, a portion of it's for pleasure. But when you go trail ride, have you ridden that KTM 300? I've ridden. Yeah, I've ridden a couple of them. Um, It's great. Yeah, I have an older KTM 300, the carbureted one. Okay. Um, But the, the newer one is... Yeah, it's just perfect. It's a really good, it's a really good bike. Have you talked to the BVC guys about riding that three-wheeler? I have, yeah. Yep. Yeah, and we will. We'll probably do that this winter in Glamis. We'll probably meet them out there and and ride that thing. And yeah, that will be, that'll be cool. And, And what I'll probably talk to them about is putting the correct tire on it you know, make sure it's a rounded tire and not a motocross tire. And it'll probably do really good out there in the, in the dunes. That's incredible. I forgot to do something here, but I'll just catch up. It's okay. That's what happens when you, uh, when you're not a media guy, you know, yeah, that's why we're still doing print. We can go back and check it a few times before we hit the button. Well, let's talk about the the magazine and the highs and lows. The last time that we spoke, the magazine to you were telling me seems to be gaining popularity. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's probably, you know, maybe hit bottom I would say right before COVID. And then uh you know, when everybody was locked down, our uh, subscriptions went up, our um, web traffic went up. And then uh, obviously, since guys like you are are doing so well, um, business-wise, our advertising revenue is going up. So so things are, you know, they're in hit bottom wasn't, didn't mean that we were like going out of business. It just hit, hit a, you know, low point. And, um, we're going back up, which is good. It's, it's, you know, I think I have only been like, I've been there 22 years, but the magazine's been around close to 40 and, and there's ups and downs and, and we're kind of on an upswing just like the rest of the industry. And and do you notice that the age of the reader is varying from old to young or are you gaining a lot of younger guys, gals, people? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The the younger guys have started um, subscribing again. You know, they'll they'll you know they they saw us on social media and realized that we were a magazine and and especially when we put them in the magazine, like from an event or something like that, then they get excited and then they subscribe, which is which is good good for everybody. 
Exactly. It explains something to me, and there's probably other people out there like myself that don't understand. The online magazine is different than the print magazine. And no, the digital magazine and the print magazine are the same. Okay. And then the website has additional content. It has the magazine content about two months later, and then it's got additional content, mostly new news items and uh, like new uh, new models that come out that didn't make it in the magazine. What's the difference in the subscription numbers versus print to digital? To digital. You know, I don't have those numbers. Um, yeah, I would say digital was about 10% maybe two years ago, but I think it's probably closer, getting closer to 50-50, but I, I honestly don't have those numbers. That's a That's a different department. Right, right. There's there's always things that you have to have somebody else handle. And yeah, you guys do Instagram and Facebook and and all of that, correct? Yeah, uh, and a little YouTube. You know, unfortunately, we're we don't have uh, the time to do a lot of video, so we're uh, just do a little bit of social and and then on Instagram and Facebook, and that's that's great. It doesn't doesn't pay any bills, but it definitely keeps the name out there. Do you think that, do you think that the um, YouTube, if you did YouTube or you did more social media, it would hurt your, uh, no, more YouTube. If you did more YouTube, would it hurt your paperback subscriptions, you think? You know, I think it could help if, if we had a way to direct them to, to, um, subscriptions and then if we monetize the video with with ads and things like that it would help the bottom line but overall any kind of electronic media hurts print media because it just takes people away from from the time that they have to read a magazine you know if they're too busy watching tv or watching youtube or or looking at their phones they're not going to pick up a magazine do you think that things like this podcast or the other podcast in the ATV industry hurt the magazine in any way, shape, or form? No, I think I think those help too. I think they're, uh, you know, I, I think a podcast is different because you can listen to that while you're driving or or working, doing something uh, when you can't do your social media. You know, um, I, I listen to your podcast and and a few other podcasts while I'm wrenching on things in the garage or in the shop. Um, I don't listen while I'm riding. I guess I could, but I don't. Um, but you know, you're not going to be doing social media while you're working on something in the garage. You're going to be, you know, you got tools in your hand. And so, so podcast really doesn't affect, um, us there. Yeah. Put an earphone in or an earbud and turn it yeah. on and go to town. And, and yeah. I, I work when I'm in the shop, you know, that's when I listen, um, because that's, uh, the best time because you get focused on your task. You, mm -hmm. you know, if you, if you hear something that you want to hear again, you just hit replay and, and listen to it. Yeah. Again. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's pretty cool. Cause you can, uh, you know, you're not wasting any time, but you get, you get your job done and you get, you know, you get an interesting podcast. Like I've enjoyed 
Um, some of the older guys that I had never heard of before, some of the the three wheeler guys were were pretty cool to listen to you, like Jim Babbitt and yep. um, you know, guys like that. That was pretty interesting. The the guy with the eight ATs, the trike collection in Phoenix. And um, so that was cool listening to him. I'm gonna try. This is probably letting the cat out of the bag a, a little bit after your episode will air. I'm going to try to go to his place and do a video and a show in his facility. Oh, cool. Um, yeah. You know, I don't know if you've seen the uh, press conference that we did at Glen Helen right before the works race. Mm-hmm, um, sure. Yeah. We're ver- venturing into things like that. Um, we want to do more on site shows where we're interacting with the individual guest. Um, yeah, that would be a good one to do it. I think that that's I think that that's kind of where are my industry or where this is going to go um, at some point. Um, you know, I, I still have a prepping business where I prep race squads, um, generally affiliated through Duncan Racing, and then I still work for Duncan Racing full time. So we're juggling hours and time and everything to fit everybody in. But sure, yeah. no different than anybody else. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, that that would be an interesting show to to see what that guy has. Um, and your show with him kind of spurred a an article I want to work on about other collections because you know that guy obviously has a great collection and wants to open the the museum. But I want to do an article on all the places you can go to look at these old three wheelers or or quads or whatever because. You know, my kid is 13. Um, there's, a pro- you know, kids that are 20 and younger, 25 and younger. You know, they're, they weren't around when three-wheelers were around. So it would be cool to be able to take somebody, you know, whether you're in Virginia where that guy has a really big collection or Texas or Arizona, you know, and stop in and, and see what all these, these old ATVs look like. Is that where that big one is, is in Virginia? Yeah. Maybe I might not want want anybody to know that, but yeah. <laughs> I yeah. want I want to connect with him, uh, a to to get him on the show, and b I would love to go there and do a show. Yeah, yeah, I have uh, I definitely have plans to go there um, in the works too. Yeah, that's just incredible, isn't it? Yeah, it's insane. I I did an article uh, about three years ago on that place when I found some pictures on the internet or something. So I called and got a bunch from him and boy, it, I mean, we had hundreds of thousands of views on that article on dirt wheels. Yeah. Cause it's, you're showing machines that I would say right now in our industry, there's probably 75% of the people have no idea how big it was before them. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, it'd be cool to be able to tell people where to go to look at these. You know, because a lot of people aren't open to the public. So the the big collections like the the guy in Virginia, he's not open to the public yet. Which, you know, and I don't blame him. It'd be it'd be tough to show all that. I've seen some others where they look like they were in uh, storage buildings. Yeah. And and there's there's a few dealerships, um, one in New York, I think one in Kansas that have they have smaller collections, but at least it's a dealership, you know, might bring some business into the, the dealership and, you know, that, that would be a good, easy way for people to go see some of these, 
you know, see a, a brand new US 90 sitting on a, on a rack somewhere. Oh man, I would just, I would almost cry because that's where it, for me, that's where it all started when I was four years old. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, me, you know, me too. Mine was a 110, but it was uh, basically the same thing. Yeah. It's, it's crazy to think about it. Um, I wish, you know, thinking of the old style, style stuff, I wish that we had my dad's old 90 110 dyno. Yeah. Yeah. That would be cool. Oh man. Having some of this stuff that you don't even think about the evolution until you sit back and, you know, really think where the industries come from. You know, I mean, I've said this probably so many times before the reason this podcast came to be, or the reason that I had the idea for it is because I want to tell the story, but I don't want me to tell the story. I want you right. to tell the story. Sure. And, and, and that's what we're losing is we're losing so many guys, you know, you brought up Dean Sundahl. Um, I, I got to, uh, have the poster on the shop wall. And then he used to come in when we were on the Broadway down on the Boulevard, you know, he used to come in the shop and, and buy little trinkets, you know, little part here, little part there, you mm -hmm. know, and when you're a 15, 16 year old kid and that guy's, you know, team Honda and you're just, wow. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm still, I was still, when he, when he reached out to me for the live, that he wanted to come. I was, I couldn't believe it. I was, yeah, you know, bring your quad. Yeah. No problem. Yeah. Yeah. That was great. I, I can't wait to hear him on your show sometime. I got to set it up with him. Um, he wants, you know, he, he wants a one-on-one -on -one in a, in a quiet facility where we can uh, be a little slower and tape it, you know, so he's more comfortable. Uh, yeah. I've talked to a couple other old, uh, older motocross guys, motorcycle guys, that have the same thing. They want the environment non, um, non-publicized basically, mm -hmm. you know, just that's okay. I'll sit down. I'll tell you anything you want to know. Just you and I, me in a quiet environment, no, no wildness to it, no distractions. And yeah, uh, you can see what's behind me. That this isn't a, fr this, there's no frills. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. I'm the same thing. I'm no, uh, no fanfare. Yeah. I mean, I, I love, I love hearing the old stories. I mean, let, let, let's get back on track because I want to ask you some questions about magazine articles that you've done. You know, you, you've got to experience some really cool stuff and meet probably some really incredible people. Um, talk a little bit about some of those articles that stick in your head that, uh, that are remember that, that are great memories for you. Yeah, well, um, a cool one that uh, we did when the 400EX came out, you know, that was pretty big news because there wasn't, you know, there wasn't a lot of good sport quads back then for a, for a good stint. And um, Dennis Cox had convinced Honda to let us race the Baja 1000 on the thing. And we did. And miraculously, we won. You know, we weren't, we had a good team to prep the quad. You know, I was a decent rider. Uh, we had some other good riders on there, but we had work shocks, ITB tires, big tank, uh, probably Ricky Stater lights, and that was it. And we went out there and we were ninth motorcycle overall. Um, I think 
I think Ivan Stewart is the only one that beat us in the four wheel class. We were, wow. it was, it was incredible. So that was a cool, um, you know, cool story and, and all that when we, when we got to do that and Honda was really stoked about it, you know, cause they didn't think they would really win on it, but, uh, but, but they did. And then they took the quad and put it in their little traveling show that went to dealer shows and things like that. That is so incredible. You know, I mean, I think that probably spurred that the life of that quad on because yeah, I mean, it was not, it was greatly, it was built great, but it was not a performance machine in any way. Shape. Correct. Correct. But it definitely proved that it was durable and, and that's, you know, obviously that's what Honda liked back then. Um, when, so when Honda came out with a 450R, I got one of the first ones, probably the first one, which was cool. We don't get early models anymore, but back then we still did. And so I pulled up to Glen Helen with the first Honda 450R. And I think it had, I scored a pipe somehow and, and probably a set of tires and raced, I think the plus 30 class or uh, maybe the production class on it. Um, and the only, there was a Yamaha test guy there and he had a Yamaha and then Ryan Piplick was there on a Kawasaki. Um, and we had like our own little race, which was, which was pretty cool. Um, of course I beat all those guys, but <laughs> <laughs> that helped a little bit. Uh, so it was fun racing that thing when it first came out, um, for sure. And then, so one thing that, uh, in your podcast with John Pellin, he, he didn't mention, maybe he didn't have time is John Pellin and I are the ones that got the national to come to Glen Helen in 2004, 2005, whenever we had it for two or three years, but we're the ones that petitioned the AMA to get it to come to California. And we got Lori to give us a date at Glen Helen. So we got, you know, we, so we got the ATVA to, to put, give us a, um, you know, just to bring it out there, but it's kind of at the last minute, racer productions stole it out from under us because we were going to actually promote the race and they somehow stole it out from under, uh, under us and promoted the race themselves, uh, which, which is fine. I'm not a promoter. John is sort of a promoter. Um, you know, on that level, I, I think, uh, I think we would have pulled it off, but I think, uh, Lori and racer productions did a, did a good job and, and pulled it off for a few years wish it was still around, but, um, but it was cool that we, we got it to happen. That was the main goal. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, we raced, we, that was Oh four. We raced. Yeah, I believe it. so. Yep. We raced it. Um, we had, uh, a KFX, a Yamaha and a Honda. Yeah. In that. Running. Yeah. yeah. And it was, uh, it was a lot of fun. Uh, I mean, I miss, the big production things like that. Um, I don't miss some of the stress, but I miss the environment. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It was uh it was cool. I mean, they they definitely should still be doing it, but uh I understand it's you know, racer productions is they're all back east. It's their they got their own little click going on back there and um it's tough to get them to to come outside their box. 
did you ever get involved with the nationals when they raced the ATVs, the same track as the bikes? Were you, did you ever get to go to that? No, I didn't. I didn't go. I think there was only a handful of, of events that like the, you talking about when the quads were at the, the MX national. Yes. Yeah. I, I did not. Um, but that was pretty interesting and that would be great to have that again too. I, for sure. I don't see why they don't because I, I mean, you got to forgive me. I haven't been to a, a motorcycle national in 30 years, but mm-hmm. if you, they run the, the 250 class and they run the 450 class and then they have nothing else going on. Right. I think they had the women's races for a while, but I don't, I, I watch them on TV. So I don't know. I don't see anything else happening. It doesn't seem like it. Yeah. I mean, if they have women's motocross and then a, and then a pro quad race. It would be great. Oh yeah. yeah, to get us to get us the recognition and the in the crowd size to see these guys do what they do on an ATV that'll change. I think it would change the viewers' minds about what ATVs are all about. Totally, and you know that's uh, of all the grand ideas you have about things, that would be the it would seem like the easiest one. You know, because they could, especially at a track it's owned by somebody that's into ATVs. I don't know which track that would be, but, um, you know, it's got, you know, like when Donnie Banks had his track back there or, um, maybe somebody in Florida, I don't, I don't know, but, uh, it would be a, it would be great. Exactly. I think that you could have a pretty amazing event, you know, and then maybe you could get a manufacturer like KTM who has KTM Husky and gas gas to go, let's make a real sport quad, mm-hmm. you know, marketed in three colors. You just change the whole face of ATV racing in one day. Yeah. Yeah. That would be, that'd be helpful. I, I would rather just see Honda and Yamaha do it, but, uh, and Suzuki I, Suzuki be pretty easy to come back. I think I would love that myself. I'm just throwing it out there as a, as a developer. I mean, I'm not a fan of KTM. Don't get me wrong. KTM guys, you work hard, you do a great job, but I'm just not a fan. Sorry. Um, you, you have Yamaha out there doing all the yeoman's work. They're, they're carrying the sport quad industry right now with what they're doing. Um, I don't know what Honda's plans are. Uh, Suzuki's kind of running and hiding and so is Kawasaki. Yeah. Yeah, it's unfortunate. I, I, I mean, sorry to say, it's probably there's probably so much EPA stuff coming down that they don't even want to bother with it. Yeah, we don't even want to get into that conversation because that's that's a, another issue. But you have seen like Bo Barron on the West Coast. He's a, a convert from motorcycles. Still races motorcycles, races UTVs. Travis Damon. Uh, he's running fourth in points and works. He's a races professional motorcycles and works and right. professional quad. Um, there's a couple other guys that are converts. Um, you, you know, the, that other, that other podcast for the motorcycles that I don't mention their name, you know, who was trash talking us. Um, I think that they've done some comparison stuff where they've changed their tune a little bit. Some, some of the motocross guys, have said, Hey, you ride this ATV and you tell me how easy it is. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, Gary Denton has set that guy straight a little bit. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, our, our ATV guys are just as fast as those dirt bike guys and, and you can corner faster on an ATV uh, on most corners than you can on dirt bikes. So they're a little heavier, but, uh, you can only jump, jump so far on a jump to hit the landing. Right. And, uh, it's pretty easy to get the same lap times on a quad as you would on a dirt bike. I don't think that there's any jumps on any of the tracks that are jointly used that the ATVs can't jump. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think so either. Yeah. It's only if it gets, you know, the tracks get real rutted. I think the ATV would have a little disadvantage, but cause some, especially at Glen Helen, you know, how rutted the dirt bike uh, national gets the, the ruts are three feet deep. It's, it's insane. Yeah. I don't, I don't know how you even ride in that on a motorcycle. I mean, I've done a fair amount of two-wheeler riding on my own, and when it gets rutted, I don't want to do it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, mean, I can't keep up right on a bicycle, so you had ruts on a motorcycle, I'm going down for sure. Right, I hear you. That's why I prefer four wheels on a track, too. Yeah, do you, do you prefer to, to ride your ATV on, on the track or the trails? On the trails. Yeah. I, I mean, I used to track ride and race quite a bit, but now um, more trails for sure. And you spend a lot of time in the Northern California area? Uh, not Northern California, but uh, I mean, I'm in Southern California, just North of LA, but uh, up, just up in the mountains, mostly mountain riding, mountain trails, some desert. You mentioned, you mentioned uh, four wheel drive, the four wheel drive units. Um, mm -hmm. and I know Polaris has that pretty amazing 1000 that they came out with. Um, I got to ride it a little bit for a few minutes in the dunes. Um, how much test riding or how much riding do you do on those? Yeah, quite a bit. And, uh, they, they're so capable. I mean, they have been since 2007 when Yamaha put power steering on the first Grizzly. Um, it just changed the game. Um, with four wheel drive quads, it made it so much more fun. Um, independent rear suspension helped a lot too, but, uh, I think power steering was even, even a bigger advancement in the four wheel drive world. And, um, they're fun now, on the right trail. You can have a blast and, you know, especially when you're on a trail where it can, you really push the limits of the ATV where you really have to use four wheel drive and diff lock and, lean the lean the quad over and kind of side hill it in, in some areas it's it's a real challenge and, and a lot of fun and you guys how often do you get to go do that um every month you know every month we're testing at least one or two quads and so we still do it monthly you got a favorite uh the yamahas right now are it just, you know, the Polaris and Can-Ams are good, but they're just so fast. They're, you know, they're more for the guy that wants to go in the mud and needs the horsepower to pull some big tires. But uh, Yamahas and Hondas are just, they're so much, they're so much more refined and they do everything perfectly. And, you know, with, with uh, no breaking or, uh, you know, any problems. So I would say Yamaha Grizzly is my favorite. Nice. How about uh, the mud stuff? Have you got to experience that? I've been to the mud nationals a couple of times and some other mud events. Um, you know, if I lived back there, I'd probably join in, but um, the mud's not for me. You know, it just seems like, you know, you're, you're going fast for 
10 feet or you're going slow for, you know, a minute to get through a mud bog and then you sit around and watch other people go to the mud bog. I, I like to put in hundreds of miles a day of riding. Um, these, these going on rides for five or 10 miles a day. It's not, that's not riding to me. <laughs> that's, that's a total different perspective. Yeah. Let's go back in time a little bit and give a little bit of history on some of the places and some of the things that you you've got to do in the, um, uh, editorial side of the industry. I know that dirt wheels is where you are now, but you've been other places. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I, I had at both dirt wheels and UTV action. So, um, but yeah, we, I've, it's, I've gone everywhere, gone, uh, you know, go to Baja a lot, go to, uh, the East coast a lot, Utah, there's tons of ATV trails up there and, um, really like it up there. Went to Alaska one time with Polaris and went on a kind of a three day ride, but it was so um, it was so wet and we we kept getting stuck everywhere we'd go and we'd have to winch ourselves through these um, these mud bogs and so we didn't really get to go very far, but it was still cool to do it um, even though we didn't ride very far. Um, been over to Dubai to, um, ride in the dunes over there. Um, I did the last major race I did was 2015 Daytona Supercross on for ATVs. Um, went back there and did a couple stories with GBC and, uh, Walsh and, uh, raced one of their hybrids in the, uh, Supercross there, which was really cool. Yeah, I I bet I've I've got to I got to go back with Garen Fuller one year and and do it and and it mm-hmm. was pretty awesome. I mean, I think it was the first year. Mm. I don't remember what year it was. They all run yeah. together. But yeah, it, it was incredible. You know that uh, they get the exposure. You got to watch the motorcycles race and then come back and race that inve- event. Uh, right. Yeah. And they, it was cool because they don't, you know, they tame the track down, but they don't change it a whole lot. And it was, it was pretty cool. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely like a bucket list type uh, race. Totally. I mean, I'm not, I'm not able to ride as much physically as much as I'd like to. Uh, I have some limitations, but um, I'd still like to train. And when we do get to go test, I can ride for short periods. I don't think I could go on a hundred or 200 mile ride. I don't physically just don't think that my body would let me do it. Yeah. Yeah. I'd love to try, but uh, you know, I could end up sitting passenger in the, in a UTV halfway through and that that's not, <laughs> that's not going to be any fun. Yeah. Right. Um, another for Florida, Event. I raced one of the early Cannondales down there in a GNCC race at Okeechobee. Um, that was a blast. That was a lot of fun. Uh, that track actually had some motocross to it. So, so that was really easy to pass people. And um, I think I rode the production four stroke class or something. It was a morning, the morning class. So I could shoot the afternoon class. Um, but uh, I think I won that class and got third overall, but I missed the podium because I had to go out and shoot the other, uh, shoot the other race, which was kind of a bummer. 
Well, you know, I mean, you, you are the guy that gets to take all the photos. So it's more important that you're out taking everybody else's picture than getting your own. Exactly. Yep. I've done a few articles with Mike Penlin. Um, I did a few like how to ride things with him and, you know, how to race GNCC. And, and then finally one time up in Ohio, I raced against him and he's the hardest guy to pass out there. You know, he, cause he's still going fast, but, uh, he does not get out of your way. That's for sure. Wow. Uh, he's one of my favorites. I really enjoy talking with him. Yeah. He's a good dude. He's really, really nice, uh, nice guy and, uh, has a lot, ton of experience in the ATV world. Super knowledgeable. Yeah. You know, I, I think that most people underestimate, you know, the wrapping there and right. realize that the guy is a wealth of knowledge. Take some time, sit down and talk to him. He will educate you on things that you didn't even know you didn't know. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and, uh, as he tells you, he's, he's fond of Baja. He's been down there 10 or 12 times and I always love to see him down there. You'll see him in the middle of nowhere. And, um, you know, he survives off of peanuts and tuna sandwiches the whole trip. And, doesn't spend a ton of money because you know he's he's got to drive all the way from Georgia and get it done and and he gets it done. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I I have talked to him. I've had him on the show three times, and I'm expecting to have him on again at some point. Um, mm -hmm. So just just really super enjoyed. You know, it's it's kind of amazing for me to be a fan from such a far distance, you know, I'm not a four wheel drive guy. I have very little experience with them. Um, I've not been watching too many of the races or been in the environment to see them, but yet still be a fan of that guy is it, it, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yep. He's uh, he's one of the cool ones for sure. Your boy. Um, you said he's 13 now. Yeah. Yeah. I have a grandson that's 13. Yeah. Yeah, I started a little later than you did. Uh, that's okay. How uh, how much involved in riding is he? You know, he uh, we we've all we've mostly only ridden dirt bikes together. Um, he, every once in a while, if I have like a youth quad and need to do a photo shoot and get some impressions, he'll he'll ride that. Um, I never I haven't purchased any quads for him other than a Raptor two hundred and fifty recently. That was uh, one of our old test units that I sold to a friend and then the friend sold it back to me. So he, we took it out to the GBC race in Glen Helen um, earlier this summer and he really liked it. He definitely enjoyed it. He, he's a little big for the Raptor 250 already, but, um, but I, I rode one, so I let him ride one. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, so his, he's getting well-versed in riding multiple different terrains and different things. I'm assuming Correct. that he spends a lot of time with you. Yeah. 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 We ride, uh, <clears throat> we, we've been riding dirt bikes with another couple, couple kids, his age since they were, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, since they were all about three years old. So he's a pretty good dirt bike rider. That's and a great, a great ATV rider too. And a UTV driver. He He's definitely very well-rounded. So he has the love of off-roading. Yeah. So, you know, it's weird. He, he likes doing it 
he he's actually out on his dirt bike right now with some buddies in the neighborhood. So hopefully, uh, hopefully he comes back in one piece, but, uh, he loves it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know what that is. Uh, my son, Danny, uh, took a couple rides in the, in the noisy van, you know, to, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, mostly, mostly on my watch. And, uh, he didn't do much riding on his mother's watch, but usually I, I end up getting him hurt. Yeah. Yeah. Fortunately. Yeah. Luckily mine hasn't, uh, he, he broke his arm this year, but that was on his mountain bike. So not, nothing on his uh, dirt bike or anything yet. You know, I have more scars on my face and body from my mountain bike than I yeah. do from all the other stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what it is. And maybe you're not uh, protected as much on a mountain bike. I, I don't know, but I, I didn't start riding mountain bikes until 12. Yeah. And that learning curve for me, the brake was the big learning curve for me. I just grab a handful of front brake and wham. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And they're still fun. That's a great, uh, great way to do some cross training and stay in shape. That's for sure. We, we mountain bike quite a bit too. Not, we usually go to the ski resorts where you can ride the chairlift up and coast down. <laughs> you know, I used to think that that was so cheating that I'm going to ride up that hill so that I can ride down. Now I'm going to be sitting right next to you. Yeah. Yep. Nope. <laughs> uh, it's a great time. I mean, it's, it's just, you still get pedaling in, you still get your heart rate up. It's, it's, it's a lot of fun though. Um, when you talk about muscles and training, I liked the downhill workout that your upper body gets. Mm -hmm. It helps all the small muscles, you know, and my shoulder, my, the limiting issue for riding an ATV, the more a mountain biking I do, the better I can do on a quad. Yeah. Well, it, it's funny you say that when a long time ago, when I was racing quads a lot, I would also race a dirt bike if the, if the track had both. And, uh, when I would jump back on the quad, it was just, you were that much better. It was, it was really impressive. It was cool to, you know, not only you learn the track on your bike in a different race, but, um, it just seems like you could brake harder on a quad. You can obviously turn sharper. Um, it, it definitely helped riding both disciplines. I think it does. You know, I, I think that if we talk about guys on the West coast, I think Bo Barron has a clear cut advantage over everybody because motorcycles, UTVs and ATVs. Yeah. I mean, and have you seen him ride a three wheeler? I, uh, yeah, I've seen some videos of that. Yeah. I, I don't, uh, I don't know what happened him letting Joel beat him, but I guess it it was an age thing. Maybe, maybe he was just worn out from racing all. I, I would just have to, um, Bo knows how much I respect him and how much I think he is just a, a true, true champion and an amazing rider. Joel is the real deal. That yeah, guy. Yeah. I mean, he's just, he is fast for sure, man. It, what he can do on an ATV. I mean, no offense. I'm a Chad Weenan fan too. And I mean, you watch Chad ride and it's, it's almost like watching paint dry because he's so smooth, so accurate, hits his line every time. Doesn't, use a lot of movement you you're just there's just no frills there it's just positive motion and and bo's a lot like that as well similar to bo yeah and then you watch joel ride and 
you know, there's, there's kind of a big roost. He's freaking on one wheel. Then he's, you know, the, the body movements all over the place. So it's more of a thrill and an excitement. Um, so I, I can see why, why Joel won. Plus we were 30 minutes shy of, of a race. You know, they shortened the race for, for the, for the double header weekend. Oh, did they? Okay. Yeah. And that, that definitely affected things. It might've been different. Might not have been. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think Bo would have gotten tired, but but Bo brought his A game and uh, rode really hard and pushed really hard, and and I think that uh, they had a good they had a good race for the time that it was. Uh, he kept him honest, but but Joel again was just faster um, and more adapt to that course. Yeah. 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 I'm glad he came out. That was, it's always good when, when those guys come out and when we had the national there, it was great to see everybody, but now that uh, they have no reason to come out when they do show up, it's something special. Well, let me ask you this. What would happen if they promoted uh, a five or so race series where you had, you had to ride different disciplines from woods motocross desert off-road tt uh-huh. and you know you just you bring the promotion in and say hey guys you want to be a real true national champion you have to win these disciplines yeah that would be great yeah there was used to be an event called the atv olympics in florida um i went back and did that a couple times and that was that was a cool event you know they had t exactly tt woods and motocross and, um, you know, one winner would, would shine above everybody else. And I, I think things like that would, would be really cool for sure. You know, and we, we had the, I think we had the 12 hour deal that uh, takes place in the Midwest. You know, I think something in the middle of the country that, that was wrapped around a big event like that would, would probably, uh, work just crisscrossing the country more than once during the year is just a little too hard for people to, to, you know, come up with financially and the time and everything. Pick the right state, have all five races. Yeah. State. And Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that would be just incredible. Yeah. I think so too. I I definitely like, uh, you know, you like to see riders that, that can do more than just one thing. It's, uh, it's really cool. When I used to go back to the GNCCs all the time, you know, I, I had a little motocross experience, so I could keep up with the pros in the motor, motocross section, no problem, because they, they weren't jumping anything. Now yeah. they are. You know, they, they all had to step it up. But um, but uh, it's definitely cool to, to see a guy that can do a little bit of everything. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Kane, I want to thank you so much for joining us here on ATV Talk. I know you're a busy guy, and um, this has taken some time to manifest itself for us. And I just want to say how much I really appreciate it. And uh, I hope that you'll accept my invitation to come back and and talk with us again at another time. Yeah, sure. I, I definitely hope to to see you at another live event or um, get on the hop on the phone again. The team here at ATV Talk would love your feedback. Please email us at hello at ATVTalkPodcast.com. Brought to you by Take-Two Custom Tees. Screen printing experience that is destined.
dedicated to quality and customer service every time. San Diego's Body Evolution and Wellness Center. With over 17 years experience, Dr. Heidi looking out after all your chiropractic needs and Coach PJ looking out after all your fitness needs. Visit our website, www.bodyevolution.org or call for an appointment, 619-987-8875. More than 33 years in the industry is building racing programs and ATVs around the world. We build winners. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you did, don't forget to rate us on all the available platforms and share us with your loved ones. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook for more ATV Talk News. See you next time.